everybody in Serial Killer Country. My name is Brittany Ransom. And my name is Brian Joyner. And this is When Killers Get Caught, a podcast devoted to deep dives into the lives and psyches of the killers we love to learn about. Each week we'll discuss something new and interesting in the serial killer world. Then we'll discuss one well-known or lesser-known killer and go deep into their childhood, lives, methodology, and most importantly, how they got caught. And then, because most serial killer fans love a little spook, Brian will lead us down the road of the paranormal into something he found to be particularly creepy this week. And this week, we are discussing the documentary on the Cecil Hotel, which we just watched this weekend. Yes. Uh, it's discussing mainly the disappearance of Elisa Lamb. And I will be discussing uh, the oldest couple or the oldest people to be sentenced to death in the United States, Ray and Faye Copeland. Mm. And as usual, Brian doesn't tell us anything that he's doing until it's time. I'm not going to let that cat out of the bag. But yeah, before we get started, uh, we've officially released the serial collection earrings through the Magic Clasp. And it's doing all right. Uh, Right now, the most popular earrings are the ones I labeled roulette and hunted. I wore the hunted in some of my videos recently. And people noticed that. Roulette is the one that's just a gun on one side and a bullet on the other. Uh, oh, Russian roulette. Okay, yeah. I get it. So that one's really popular. Uh, I think I'm going to wear some of the bullet ones probably in some of my videos soon. I probably should wear them more in the videos, but sometimes I get going making TikToks and I just People don't think to like change em. my earrings. People like them. Yeah, maybe I'll wear the shovels too because no one's shown any love to the shovels. But listen, you need a shovel to bury bodies. It's an important aspect of being a serial killer. Get the shovels, get the axes, get the knives, the guns. All, just mix it up. Speaking of axes, we went to axe throwing this weekend. <laughs> and I feel so like I missed out on wearing my axe earrings while throwing axes. Oh, my God. Ugh. Wasted opportunity there. I could have taken a photo. You wore the lumberjack shirt. You were okay. You... I didn't even know I was going to a place where people were wearing lumberjack shirts. So there I know, you go. You, 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 your intuition. It was a very lovely Valentine's Day surprise. Oh, well, you know, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of this week, we did watch the Cecil Hotel documentary. Uh, it was, I, it was an interesting experience. You seemed really frustrated through a lot of it. I was frustrated. Um, a thing with me, I love unsolved mysteries and I like to try to solve them as I'm watching stuff. So see, I find unsolved things to be incredibly frustrating. I don't mind like unsolved mysteries where they're like this bad thing happened and we're looking for you, the public to help us with this thing. That's what they always used to do at the end of those episodes. Well, but I hate when there's like 15 different conspiracy theories and thousands of posts to people online and i'm just over it well this is this wasn't even back in the day we didn't have posts and stuff we had like just word of mouth or like people seeing other guys on the like people on the street and it's like i don't know trying to like trying to solve a mystery is really really fun and it's (laughs) i know it's really really frustrating as well but it's really really fun yeah, and for people who don't know, the documentary is called The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel, if it's something you want to look up. I think it's very well done. We get a lot of perspectives. We talk; They talk with historians about the area surrounding the Cecil Hotel when it was built. They talk with the manager who has never gone public about what it was like to run the Cecil Hotel, right, right. especially around this time. I mean, she tried to, to do a lot of different things to like make this place not have the reputation it had yeah 
Yeah. Oh, I guess that's another thing for some of our enough, international yeah. listeners. If you aren't really aware, the Cecil Hotel was built in the early 1900s. And I think they said it was, what, a million dollars when it was built? I think so. Yeah, Just yeah, yeah. They- they spent a million dollars. They spent a million dollars. And it was finished a couple years before the Great Depression that hit America in 1929. And from pretty much from past the recession and on, it struggled to be anything more than like a hotel for people who were very poor, people who were transient, people who were traveling. Just down on their luck. Down on their luck. Recently out of prison. Recently out of mental facilities. And that's always kind of been the way it looked. In fact, um, they mentioned that Richard Ramirez did live there, which I did know. But apparently what he would do when he came back from killing people is he would take off his clothes in the back alley and come up a back stairwell and walk up to his floor where he was staying in his blood soaked, like with his body still covered in blood and just his underwear. And it, it was the kind of place where people didn't ask questions because weird stuff happened there all the time. The manager said that while she worked there over like a 15 year period, 80 people died. Yeah, It was yeah. so common. Like every week or every other week, there was a body being found in the Cecil. That was crazy. So then fast forward to 2013 and there's this girl. She's this hopeful young lady um, she's got issues, but she seems like someone who's a really good writer. She loves art, according to her Tumblr, which I think was Novelle Nouveau. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, and she just wanted an opportunity to explore the world without being under the watchful eye of her parents. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she was like in her 20s. So Yeah. yeah early 20s, 21, 22. And she. So it makes sense. It makes sense. I mean, we're all very hopeful and we want to explore the world. I still want to explore the world after COVID. I mean, nowadays, I'm pretty sure everybody wants to get out and do stuff now. So, <laughs> like, ugh, not Oh, doing so nothing. awful. That's funny thing. I always wanted to visit the Cecil Hotel, but after learning about where it's located, I didn't realize it was so close to Skid Row. And for international downtown. fans, Skid Row is this area in downtown Los Angeles. Just, it's a tent city. If I, that's another way I could explain it. Yeah, people, homeless yeah. people stay there. And in the nineties, LA thought the best way to handle all of these homeless people with obvious mental health issues and violence issues was to shuffle them into one section and not let them leave because, and this happened in America after we began closing down psychiatric facilities, because mm-hmm. that's where we used to put the homeless in the fifties and sixties. So once we shut down all those facilities, these people have no place to go and are definitely not getting the mental health care they need. They said that like a woman dies on Skid Row like weekly. That is horrifying. So they're all shuffled into this one area. It's high violence, high crime. And then two blocks over is the Cecil Hotel where you have all these unsuspecting tourists showing up, not knowing that they are in the middle of a battleground. Do you remember when that one? I just like one part that sticks out for me when you're talking about Skid Row is that one cop. He was talking about he was doing like his second tour in Skid Row or something like. Oh that. yeah, he like, do they call it doing your tour in yes. Skid Row when you have to like as an LAPD like uh, handle that area for a certain amount of time? Yeah, I'm like, like, really? Like we're using war terminology like, here? I was I'm not sure if that's like a normal term for like police to use, but I don't think so. They usually call it a beat. <laughs> okay. Yeah, when okay, you like yeah, do yeah, a yeah. certain neighborhood, I, I walked a walk beat. There yeah, for such and such I've time. Ne- no, you were right. I've never heard anyone say doing a tour. Okay, except like in the military. <laughs> yeah, and um, 
I, he was the one who said that he saw a man like literally like kill a pigeon and like bite yeah, into he, it he while it was alive. Yeah. That's like, like they're just very mentally ill. But yeah, Elisa Lamb, poor girl. Uh, they really explain like what happened to her and that it actually was an accidental death. The Internet likes to look at it under the guise of like conspiracy theories and all this stuff. But I actually uh, I'm in a lot of different groups on Facebook and some of those are ones that discuss uh mental health and one of the medicines that elisa lamb was on is one that i was on it was called wellbutrin that's the you know the fancy name for it but mm. it's bupropion and then another one that she was on is effexor which uh the name they listed on the medicine on her autopsy report is venla and i know that there was a situation when my psychiatrist quit the practice and so in the area that we live in, there are so few people that you get like six week, three month waits before you can get a new psychiatrist. Mm. So I had a six week wait where I had none, no Wellbutrin. And my coming off of that was very bad for me. It was very harsh. And one of the things they noticed when they did the autopsy, the talk screen on Elisa Lamb is that she was taking her meds, but she wasn't taking the right amount. Yeah, they, they did say it was like low. It was a low amount that was in her system. So maybe she wasn't taking them and then they were just running out of her system. At that yeah, point. they don't know if she was taking half doses, like what she was doing. But from what I understand, when you do not take Effexor, even missing one pill is enough to potentially cause like very extreme um, reactions. Like people in my one Facebook group were talking about how like, they felt like incredibly groggy and incapable to move. And I remember taking the bupropion after my mom passed and I just could not get out of bed in the morning. That was the reason why. Like if I could manage to get myself out and doing things, mm -hmm. then the rest of the day was fine. But if I couldn't get out of bed, I was just here all day, just sleeping all day. So that was my doctor's idea. Get you up and going with this essentially uh, medically approved speed <laughs> listen i'm not gonna get into medicine in the united states but we could be here all day but either way uh that effects or drug that that could be the reason why elisa was essentially having a di almost disassociative moment or that that elevator video that everyone has seen where right. she's so out of it and she's talking to people who aren't there she's interacting with stuff in a way that doesn't make sense but was there a person there there was not a person there. are baby. you sure listen i don't disagree like i totally <laughs> believe the the cecil is haunted with the number of people who have died in that building the number of people who have killed people and then gone into that building mm -hmm. like there's just a lot of death that surrounds that hotel for people who watch american horror story the season hotel is about the cecil they they got it. I only watched like half of the first episode of Hotel because of the very graphic sexual assault that happens in the first episode. Right. That kind of was it for me. Um, I don't know if I'll ever come back to it. It was I wasn't prepared for it. Like people who were watching it when it actually came out. Yeah, I don't I don't even remember like seeing that scene. Ooh, it's I, brutal. When it, when it first came out on TV. And oh, stuff. I don't like it. I don't, I don't remember if I saw that or not. You see the? Or maybe I just repressed it. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. But uh. Either way, like the way that the actual Cecil Hotels looks like that really fancy first floor with the marble and all yeah, that yeah. is identical to the one on the TV show. So I'm they're very much picking off, picking up with that. Yeah. So it's 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 a I don't know what to call it legendary or like it's just a Infamous? an icon. Yeah. In L.A. Go. 
Wait, can... Right now it's closed. Look, I want to talk about that damn elevator. Okay. <laughs> what about the, okay the okay the elevator thing, thing where if you push the stop button it stays open for two minutes? I don't. I'm gonna try that. Is when weird. I'm gonna try that when I leave here and see what happens. In my building, it doesn't do that. Exactly. You have to hold it in place to keep it open. Exactly. I don't know where you where 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 you go. But that I'm saying that the happens. police have no reason to lie. They said when you push the button, it stays. Okay, but she just pushed it once. She didn't like hold it in. She pushed. She like tapped. But that's it how that elevator was weirdly programmed. Mm. I don't, whatever. See, this is why I don't like this stuff. <laughs> we have an answer. Just believe the answer. No, because I there's a bigger answer. That's a, I'm sorry. <laughs> there's a. I don't know. Whatever. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. I just used to date somebody years ago oh, that's right. who loved conspiracy mm. theories. And it just, they just love the circular talking and up and down. And I just want to know the answer to something. And I want to look it up and know the answer. And now I know. Yeah, but sometimes the answer is not satisfying enough. Well, you're not satisfied by the <laughs> fact that the poor girl had a mental break and then decided she wanted to swim in a water tank. I'm, I'm satisfied with, <laughs> with that. Oh my god! So wait, so you're you're cool with the fact that she wasn't taking her meds? Well, I'm not. You don't see your twisting my words. Well, no, no, I'm, not, I'm just saying, like you understand that part and you accept that part of yes, the story. Yes, you accept the part that they said the lid wasn't locked on the thing, and it's not that hard to climb up there and get up there because they found beer bottles and graffiti and cigarettes up there. Absolutely. So obviously everybody was going up there to get a good view of LA. Yep, I'm down with that. Okay, I understand Then, that. because she was out of her mind, she climbed up the ladder and was like, what's in here? And she fell in. And yeah. there's a thing. You can't get out of it. There's no way to climb out of that water tank because nobody's supposed to be in it. And eventually, even if you're the best swimmer in the world, you're going to get tired. And more than likely, she got tired out and she drowned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All of that is something that you are perfectly okay with. Yeah. You are bothered by the fact that I, the so elevator button kept the elevator open for two minutes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I, just don't, I don't trust it. I don't trust. I, I don't trust elevators to begin with. I know you have an issue with elevators. So definitely, like, I'm not going to trust this one. And like, okay, first of all, also, I still don't know. We still don't know how she got her clothes off. I mean, we don't know why her, she took she her clothes took her, off. Yeah, exactly. Was she just trying to? What's the word? Where you get naked and go swimming? Skinny, skinny dip. There you go. Maybe she just felt like skinny dipping in her state but, of. Like I like I said when I was watching. I mean, maybe she somebody got, from L.A. Tell me, is it hot in February? I'm pretty sure it's like my like our spring, like 60 degrees. Okay, so I mean that wouldn't be like oh I'm so hot I want to go for a swim. Like, why did she get... They didn't really cover that in the documentary. Why was she naked? Because they said they didn't find any signs of a struggle on her body at all. They did all of the tests, rape kit, all that stuff. They checked. Uh, I just think, like, maybe she thought it was a giant washing machine. And she's like, my clothes are dirty. I'm wearing this all day. And... (laughs) And then what? She went to grab them out and she fell in? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's... I mean, that's reasonable. We don't know what she was experiencing when... You're delusional. Yeah. I mean, one of the <laughs> people I talked about when I was explaining uh, mission oriented killers and that the like not mission oriented killers, but the delusional serial killer type mm. is that the one guy believed that if he killed people in California, 
that there wouldn't be a uh, earthquake. Oh, right, right. No, no. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, when people are having these solutions, they fully believe them. It just seems like something we don't understand. Exactly. And so everybody on the video on TikTok is like, well, there wasn't an earthquake. I'm like, there's been, like, a hundred earthquakes since this man <laughs> was killing he, people. He didn't stop anything. He didn't, no, nothing changed. <laughs> California has earthquakes all the time. <laughs> but either way great documentary i think it was done very well done respectfully um they really tried hard to humanize her and make people understand her and empathize with her i also really enjoyed how they didn't make the online community look crazy um except okay. for the situation with the singer from mexico morbid how dare you guys no, no, no. That how, was awful. How dare you guys? They blame saw that him. he was at the Cecil. They didn't even check the timestamp because he was at the Cecil a year before Elisa Lamb died. A year before there. And he had he was oh like where is he at? In Mexico when in she me- Yeah, he was recording in Mexico when she died. And he said that like it was awful and it was nonstop. He attempted to take his life. He said he woke up in a hospital. And he said, like, honestly, on the documentary that he he even though it's over now, he's like, nobody said anything to me. Nobody apologized to me right. about attacking like, me. He was just like, and now I don't even feel like making music like I used to. It's not the same. Apologize to Morbid uh, because that's, that is serial a, killer a community. Shame. Serial it's killer country. Please find Morbid online and say you are sorry. Whoever blamed him, say you're sorry. Like, because that's really like he, he was just a cute little metal boy. He's a grown <laughs> man, but metal. he's just I a death it. metal man. And he was just trying to make scary music for the world. Yeah, it's just oh my! I was like, I felt so bad for him. That like, one really oh hurt. God. Yeah, uh, this is not like don't mess, don't mess with cats. That's not that yeah. If this was not Luca Magnata, yeah, this was no. a good guy. But the internet went after him like he did something wrong. They're like, he definitely killed her. He was at that hotel. I'm like, as were probably several other thousand people in the year that this girl died. Don't even know. The hotel has 700 rooms. So a lot of people stay there. Yeah. But yeah, as of right now, they're closed. Uh, They were purchased by a company in 2013 and they revamped it. And then that company spent $100 million to beautify it. And then they only sold it for 30. So they did not make their money. They, they lost got it. They closed so again in 2018 for like a revamping process. And I think 2017. And they were supposed to reopen 2020. But of course, because of COVID, they weren't able to finish, I guess, restorations. Yeah. They're trying to really bring the hotel up because from what people were saying in the documentary, it still looks like in certain portions of the hotel, like the 1970s. It's probably just the top floors, right? They, yeah, because the bottom alone. floors they updated and made all trendy and cute. Right. Uh, it's the like top like five, seven floors that need to be redone. So they're trying to make it like popular and interesting and good. Luck. And they're also trying to make more of those top floors into apartments. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that means they're knocking out walls and making full units, probably putting in new plumbing. But hopefully they're saying by 2022 next year, they will be ready to reopen. And I still kind of want to visit. I want to stay there for like one night. I don't. If we go to L.A., I don't want to stay there a whole week. We can stay there for 12 hours. How about that? <laughs> I'm not. Re- Listen, they are trying to get away from the uh, reputation of being a by hour facility. Uh, 
Okay, fine. Listen, we can say, I... Okay, one night, one night. Yeah, so we would go to LA. We would get a hotel near the beach because I want to be near the beach. Mm-hmm. And then we can stay at the Cecil for one night because I don't really want to be that close to Skid Row. That is frightening to me. I'll be con- I'll be updating my contacts and like letting them know. We'll post by hour I'll by post hour TikToks from the Cecil <laughs> just because you, you don't know. <laughs> Listen, hopefully by the time they're open, we'll all be vaccinated and we'll be able to travel again. Yeah, yeah. I would like to do that. But anyway, we've spent 20 minutes talking about the Cecil Hotel. <laughs> hey, it's an interesting topic. It really was. And yeah. I'm going to jump into my section, which is talking a little bit about Ray and Faye Copeland, because we're still talking about couples. It's still February. We still have two more weeks of love to discuss. People Though I don't necessarily know how much this couple loved each other. We're going to find out more. Um, I can only say, one. Well, maybe this was a distinction they were proud of, being the oldest people to ever be on death row, both male and female. Oh. Similar to last week's couple, The Lonely Hearts Killer, Ray and Faye Copeland had an extensive history of criminal activity before they actually upgraded to Murdoch. And it gets ridiculous because this man kept doing the same crime over and over again. But I'm just going to jump into it. We're going to talk about Ray first. He's born in Oklahoma, December 30th, 1914, to Jess and Lainey Copeland. Ray didn't really have much of a stable childhood as his family had to move around a lot. They finally ended up settling down in Ozark Hills, Arkansas. And while they were traveling, and mind you, this is like, they don't have a lot of money. They have a lot of kids. It's the Midwest, very rural. The area was still kind of, it wasn't Wild West-esque, but it was still very uncharted territory. Very small towns, farmers. I don't really know if that's the way it is now. I mean, there's more big cities in the Midwest now than there probably were in the early 1900s. Right. But either way, uh, his parents, even though they are dirt poor and struggling, have two more children because that's just how things were back then. They were bored. And I mean, that's what you do when you're bored. I mean, just... yeah. Unfortunately, the Copelands became one of the many victims of the Great Depression. And for those who don't know, we mentioned it earlier, but the Great Depression is one of the biggest economic declines in the world. And it started in the USA in 1929 and lasted until the 1930s. Uh, in the Midwest, the Depression arrived slower than it did in cities like New York City, but cities like Ozark Hills were already struggling before the Depression. So when it hit, it was completely devastating for people living in rural areas. And not only were the finances terrible, but during the Depression, there was a huge drought that hit this area and it destroyed the farming industry, which is all his family really had. So on top of that, The soil was so dry, it turned to dust, and these areas also had to deal with these giant dust storms coating entire towns in dirt and dust. And I explain all this just to say that this was a terrible time in America to be a poor person. They were barely settled trying to feed three relatively young children, and so Ray dropped out of school in the fourth grade um, to help his family with their struggling farm. He started stealing during this time, and it caused actually a really big rift in his family. 
Um, he ended up stealing hogs from his father. He stole his brother's economic relief checks. So that would be like now stealing a stimulus check from your family members. Yeah. Oh, wait, he stole, you said he stole hogs? Yes, he stole pigs. Oh, From, he, from his dad. From his dad. But how do you still... Pigs from his dad, he was still living with his parents. I'm, I'm guessing he was stealing them and selling them in a different place. Oh, uh, okay. So, I mean, his dad was probably raising hogs with the intention of, like, selling meat. Right. Uh, butchering them. But and he, he was selling... just selling them on the side. This is this, That's not as bad as stealing a horse. Oh, he does that, too. But we're going to get there. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so... He got arrested for the first time officially at 22 years old for forgery in Harrison, Arkansas. He was released in 1940 and he was 26 years old and he went to a local doctor's office just for a routine visit. And there he met the lovely Faye Wilson. Now, Faye was born October 4th, 1921 to Rufus and Gladys Wilson. They were a hardworking couple from Harrison who raised seven children in a dirt floor cabin. Faye had a simple, albeit poor childhood, but not too much traumatic happened to her. And there isn't a whole lot I could find about her life before she met Ray. The two of them hit it off immediately at that doctor's office. They got married six months later and they had their first son shortly after. And his name was Everett. And then two years after that, they had a second son named Billy Ray. Nice. Billy Ray Cyrus. Now they were running (laughs) up against a big issue in Harrison, though. You ready for it? Everybody knew Ray was a crook and it was impossible for them to get work because nobody wanted to work with this guy who was constantly no. in trouble for stealing. Yeah, no, especially like you're going to steal from the job. No, no, thank you. Folks knew about all of his scams and cons. They just didn't want to do business with him. So Ray decides like, let's go to California. And they moved to Fresno in 1944. This is where they have their third child and their only girl. Her name is Betty Lou. And within the next five years, they have two more children, Alvin and William Wayne. So he has two kids with two first names. Look here. Like, <laughs> you got Billy Ray and you got Betty Lou. We got Billy Ray, Betty Lou, William Wayne, Alvia. William Wayne. And Everett. Oh, you got, you got a Western and you got a country singer and you got a character from Dr. Seuss. Let's go. <laughs> Now, if you think that that stopped Ray from being a criminal, you would be sadly mistaken because instead of forging checks, he moved on to stealing horses. And the same year that William gets, is born, 1949, he gets caught stealing horses. Well, no charges are filed in the city of Fresno. Uh, they still didn't really like horse thieves. And he moves back to Arkansas because nobody in Fresno likes him anymore. I told you, horse thieves are like the worst thieves. It's apparently a big issue. It's terrible. They're terrible people that steal horses. It's still 1949, and less than a month being back in Arkansas, he gets arrested for being a cattle thief. I don't even know how you, like, at least a horse moves fast. Like, cattle don't move quickly. Did you, we have? I mean, he might have had a car. You can rustle. What do you mean? Cattle rustles? You never heard of them? They don't. Do they really run fast, though? Cattle, listen, I, mean, I am 100%. You get a stampede of cows like, running there? Or? Listen, I am 100% a city gal. I do not do farming or forestry. So I'm not necessarily up on how quickly a cow can move. Let, let me tell you. <laughs> I only got to meet a cow once at, uh, I believe it was the place where they make Hershey ice cream. Oh. They let us. 
like milk them slightly oh, and then we got free ice cream at the end okay. it was a great a great experience as a child the city cows is what <laughs> <meant>. <laughs> they weren't city it's her it's not her she's kind of getting out there near the farmers uh-huh. <laughs> i mean yeah technically yeah you're right i just feel like you are uh talking down on me no because of my i don't understand farming no it's okay i thought you were a city boy too what yeah okay right. not really <laughs> really wait, wait 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 you know a lot about farming no i have absolutely no idea about farming but i'm not really city city oh okay uh. <laughs> well <laughs> after getting getting caught stealing cattle he gets sentenced to one year in jail uh i think this is the first time that he's actually in prison prison okay uh he's a race he gets released in 1951 he moves his family to a city called Rocky Comfort, Missouri. And that's kind of a cute name. But he's still being a criminal. And he starts making bad cattle deals. And okay, so this is kind of where he begins the process that eventually he ends up as a serial killer. Well, okay, uh, my question is, is he writing like bad cow checks or something like that? Yes, actually. Saying, oh my yes. God, come on. He is writing bad checks. And buying cattle. Oh my god. He didn't stop being right for one, one night. So he essentially gets arrested for theft again. And, but the judge in Missouri takes pity on him. Since he has five kids. And only sentences him to labor on the judge's farm. And I just want to say. What a great thing you can do as a judge in 1951. I'm not going to put you in prison. But you can come work on my farm. Oh yeah. Wake up at what, four o'clock in the morning. Let's go probably five never mind so he does that for about two years i'm guessing until the judge lets him go and then he moves the family to illinois in 1953 now this is where like the history here gets kind of murky we know he got arrested a couple different times during this period and that they moved to no less than five other cities over the next eight years but we don't know exactly where he lived but that he did get caught forging checks three times during that time period so it's kind of interesting. They talk about, you know, when you have kids or you say you don't want to put your kids through what you went through. Right, exactly. And that's exactly what he ended up doing. <sighs> he ended up putting his kids through a period where they didn't have money, they didn't have stability, and it's the same thing that he was upset about like, he did to them. Like, okay, I said this about the one other guy you were talking about the one week, but you're bad at crimes. You keep getting caught. Stop doing them. You would be correct. He is bad at crimes. Um he I, maybe he thinks because he can get away with them for a short period of time he's good at them, but no, you, know, um, but you keep doing it. You keep doing it too long. You... But this whole time, what he's doing is buying about ten or so cattle with bad checks, selling them off for real money that he's using to support his family, and then of course the checks bounce, and that's considered check forging in that time. So finally, in 1961, Ray flies a little too close to the sun here, and he buys twenty cattle with a bad check. And he didn't leave town fast enough because the check doesn't clear and they put him in jail for nine months. Oh, my God. <laughs> then after wait, after being released, he does it again and they give him another nine months. Oh, come on. I just said this. Stop doing crimes. You're dead. <laughs> I knew you were going to feel this way about this guy. <laughs> God. Finally, it's 1966. He moves his family back to Missouri and they purchase a 40 acre farm in the city of Mooresville. I'm guessing with some of the money from the bad checks. Of course, of course. Faye takes a job as a glove maker. She's apparently skilled at sewing and things of that nature. Um, Ray 
proves to be unpopular with the neighbors almost immediately. Um, he's kind of an old grumpy man, and there's rumors that he abuses his wife. So Ray, both Faye and the children say this isn't true, but it doesn't really help him with the community. Right, yeah. Um, no he one knows, likes you so. He knows he has to stop with the check forging, and he's got a lengthy arrest record, so he's worried if he gets caught, he's going to go down again, and this time longer. So Ray formulates a new scheme to scam people through purchasing cattle and getting away with it. He's not giving up on this cattle thing. He's just he's just going to market, I guess. So here's this next plan. He shows up at a cattle auction with a hitchhiker or a drifter. And he has that man purchase the cattle from the auctioneer, writing out a check from Ray's checkbook. He signs the check and then they sell the cattle before the check can bounce. Then when the authorities come to him... He can claim innocence and they'll check and see that the signature doesn't match Ray's real signature. Right. And so he can say, oh, these checks were forged. They're not mine. Somebody stole my checkbook. Right. And since the men he purchased the cattle from were hitchhikers and drifters, they've already skipped town to continue their travels, giving them, uh, giving him, a, you know, saying like, oh, I was harmed by this too. Right, right. For yeah. the forgery. This scheme is 100% unoriginal, but he's able to get away with it dozens of times. Oh, wow. Until one of the hitchhikers <laughs> there you go. named Gerald Perkins gets caught by the police and interrogated and gives up Ray immediately. Of course. Like, no, no, you, no, I'm not getting in trouble because he, no. Ray is arrested and sentenced to two years in jail for check forging again. <sighs> So how, how how many times has he been in and out? Oh my goodness! Let's see. <laughs> he got arrested for stealing his brother's checks and check forgery. There, he got arrested for stealing horses. He's gotten arrested now at least five different times over this cattle thing. Maybe six or seven cattle. It's big money. Okay, I'm gonna say yeah, cattle because you never know cows and bulls. Blah, yeah, it could blah. be bulls too. Uh, yeah, because we said one time he got arrested because at first it was like 10 cattle. And he did that like five times and that was fine. Then he went to 20 and that's when he got really in trouble. Yeah. You, um, they said, he, let's see, he got arrested four, three different times for forgery while they were moving from place to place. But it's feasible that they he probably moved every time he got arrested uh, to a different state. You're running out of states, buddy. At least in the Midwest. <laughs> so like I said, he goes to jail for... Two years. This time he gets out. Now that scam actually lasted for a while. Because remember, he moved to Missouri in the 60s. He gets out of prison in the early 80s. Oh, wow. So he actually was successful in that con for like a decade. Not, okay, not not bad. I gave you your you know, credit there. Stop doing crimes, though, because you suck. Well... He gets out of prison in the early 1980s. And although he's been to jail several times now, so many times, he is not done with being a scoundrel. <laughs> he tweaks he tweaks his scam just a little. Instead of having his scam victims write out checks from Ray's account, they would be told to get a post office box and open up a bank account in their name. Then he has them write checks from their own accounts at the cattle auctions. He tells the drifters that the auctioneers don't like him and that he's not getting a fair shake 
when he tries to buy cattle himself there. Of course, the real story is that the auctioneers know that he is not good for any money ever, so they refuse to sell to him. Right, yeah. And the men agree to help for a small fee. After the scheme is carried out, unlike last time, Ray decides to eliminate the key witnesses by murdering them. Oh, snap. (laughs) So we have our... uh, what a twist increase here in uh, behavior so now we've moved from theft to murder and i this is why i told you i love these stories where people are like this because i just wonder what makes you go i've been a thief my whole life i should just upgrade to murder like at what point do you just go maybe i shouldn't be a thief anymore maybe i should just have a regular job so i guess that one the last guy who who Read him out to the cops was like the straw that broke the camel's back. I guess so. So okay, so he was making these drifters open up accounts. Yeah. So I and I wonder if like this sort of behavior is the reason why you can't open a bank account with just a post office box number. Now you have to prove you have a real house. Yeah, and then you have to have cash to put in there too. So I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I wonder. So, uh. That, I mean, there's got to be some interesting context because, I mean, there were a lot of these kind of cons during the time. And now, like, if you open a bank account, you have, in at least the United States, I don't know about the rest of the world, but you have to have an address. And interestingly enough, when I went to open a bank account uh, for my business, they had to, like, go online and double check where I live. Because for some reason, when it was being run through the system, it was showing up as a hotel. This place. Yes. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Weirdly enough. So and they were like, do you live in a hotel? And I'm like, I'm definitely not running a business out of a hotel. Maybe they thought because of I don't know if maybe historically it had been one. There's another hotel in this town that is it's hotel slash Apartment. apartment living like what they're trying to do with the Cecil. Oh, okay. So I guess that's common. But yeah, so I, I he was like, are you sure? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I've lived there for like five years now. And yeah, this is no, not a hotel room, buddy. Sorry. I don't have room service here. It's definitely small enough where I lived to be <laughs> in a hotel room. Just just, you know, include room service or like the maids. But no, there's no maids know. and there's no room service here. Yeah, they had to end up searching it. So that's a really big deal now for when you open a bank account. I guess that's so if you are robbing and stealing, they know where to find you. It's just true. Okay, okay. But either way, uh, by the time the checks bounced, the cattle had already been resold in different towns, and the man who signed the check was mysteriously gone. Now, you want to wonder here how complicit uh, Faye was in this. And that's a, a big discussion in this in the long run, especially with what her eventual, uh, I guess, the charges were. But I, I just don't know how you don't know what that your husband is doing this. I don't know. But it's believed that she was complicit in some ways. She, yeah, she had to have known, like, like buying 20 cattle at a time. Right. Like, like I mean, you had to have known that he used to steal them or that he forged them. I mean, while y'all have been together, he's been in jail like five times. Yeah, like, what is he going to jail for? Do you know? Yeah. <sighs> well... So between 1986 and 1989, at least a dozen men worked on the Copeland farm. And I'll tell you later why we know it's at least a dozen. And this con's going on and it's going pretty good. Uh, I think they made about $30,000 overall. And that's $30,000 in the 80s, which is about double what we make now. So they made an additional like 60 grand doing this. And 
the police are trying to track these people with the bad checks. And they have no, there's at this point, no idea that the Copelands are involved at all because this is a complete third party that's doing the auctioneer stuff, bringing the cattle to him. He gives them a little bit of money. He sells them off and gets, you know, more money. Yeah, I get that. But, you know, this is just a pattern. Like It, it definitely when, is. When you see patterns like this in, like, I guess, crime or history, you mm-hmm. like, okay, we got to look into yeah, these Yeah, I mean, again. I feel like in today's policing, they absolutely would have looked at him. But also, he did this in Illinois, California, Arkansas, and Missouri. So he also got arrested in different states. And I don't know how centralized the prison system and things were. I know mm. we had computers in the 80s. I don't know how good they were on the police level. Right, because, right, right. I mean, I'm sure you've gone to like a a government facility and seen the stat, state of their computers. Yeah, they suck. They usually don't get the best <laughs> computer equipment right away no they don't they suck i'm sorry Sorry. oh yeah i apologize for you guys yeah so uh but in 1989 the police get an anonymous tip telling them to look at the copelands it's a a crime stopper line you remember those oh yeah (laughs) we were just talking about unsolved mysteries of course Mm -hmm. (laughs) i remember those so the police come to ray and they're like hey do these guys work for you? And he's like, oh, yeah, they definitely works for me. But they also robbed me before they left town. And it was such a small amount that, like, I didn't feel the need to report it. I mean. So that's okay. the, like, way he promotes it to the police. But finally, the cops tracked down a man who works for the Copelands. Oh, goodness. Let me guess. He snitched immediately. Oh, yes, he did. But you'll find out more about him. His name is Jack McCormick. And he described himself in newspaper articles that I saw as being a common gutter tramp and a drunk. Look, you own it. Okay. You, you, <laughs> you live that life. You own it. They find him. Now, that Crime Stopper tip was done in August. That call in. And they find him in September of 1989. He's in Oregon and they charge him with writing bad checks in Missouri. Mm. He immediately turns state's evidence and explains to the police how the con worked. And he even tells the cops, I know where they buried the bodies. At this point, the police didn't even know there were bodies. Excuse me, sir. Bodies. Are you talking? What are you? What kind of bodies? Exactly. How bodies is what you mean? So McCormick wasn't actually brought in to be one of the con men, one of the hitchhikers. He was brought in just to be a farmhand and he did kind of discovered the con, I think, after seeing things happen. And Ray is like, fine, I'll let you in on it. Because remember, he calls himself a common gutter tramp. Right, right. So he was like, listen, I'm trash. You're trash. Let's be trash together. Yeah, yeah. let's go, bro. He promises Ray promises him twenty thousand dollars a year. That's 42K in today's money. So it's really not bad to go from like shoveling manure to just writing a couple bad checks. Right, exactly. And making 40 grand. I kind of understand the allure. Yeah. <laughs> Same. <laughs> so Ray helped McCormick get the post office box, the checking account. Same thing as normal. Together, they attended cattle auctions and McCormick would bid on the animals that Copeland wanted. Then McCormick would pay by check, fully aware that the sums were far beyond what were in his account. So it it like you said before, there had to be some money in the account right, to open right, right. it. Yeah. So Ray did put some money in the guy's account. Okay. This sense. went on for a short time, and then one night, 
uh, Ray Copeland puts a 22 to Bull's fo- to his forehead and is like, it's time for you to die. Oh, oh. <laughs> McCormick fights him off because at this point, they're both old guys. Like, McCormick is 57 and Copeland is in his 60s. So I can only imagine how this oh, happened. Two old dudes fighting each other. And McCormick runs off, leaves town, leaves everything there. He's the one who made the call to the Crime Stoppers in August. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, look into those people, please. With that connection, the police are like, oh, cool. We got enough here. So at this moment, Ray is 75 as of 1989 and Faye is 68. The police are poised to swarm the farm and Ray tells them, direct quote, you'll find nothing on my place. Oh, and he was right. What? They dug all over the farm for weeks and couldn't find anything. It, it was almost like they were going to get away with this. And it was just going to be, again, both of them, of him going to jail for check fraud. Where, where did McCormick go? No, he knew where the bodies were buried. Well, so the police here, and I got, this is when you can want to give the police a pat on the back because they go, you know what? Let's expand our search. Mm-hmm. And they decide they want to see if there's any other places that Ray Copeland does business. And 12 miles away from where they're located in Ludlow, Missouri, Ray is known to do odd jobs for a different farmer. The farmer is blindsided by the police. And he says to them, he's a really dependable guy. He's really hardworking. I'm very surprised. It's very surprising to me that he had to gotten into some mischief. But he consents to have his farm searched. And this is where they find the first bodies. Ah, there you go. Three corpses are buried in the barn in shallow graves, all shot in the head with a twenty-two. They were identified as Jimmy Dale Harvey, Paul Coart, and John Freeman, all transients who had last been seen working for Copeland. Nice. They were also (laughs) three men who wrote bad checks for him. Right. And so he had to kill them afterwards. Then they find out that in that same town, Ray is like renting barns and within that barn, they find Wayne Warner, a drifter who had spent his last moments with Ray Copeland. I think they actually found his body like under a bale of hay, oh my God. which is awful. Yeah. They had to use uh, bloodhounds to find bodies. That's crazy. So he's, he's writing all these barns out and he's, he's writing these bad checks. He's renting barns, uh, but he rented the barn specifically so he could probably start storing bodies there because he realized he couldn't keep doing it in one place. And then there's one more. The final body is Dennis Murphy, um, another one of Copeland's business associates. And his remains are found in a well on another farm. Oh, my God. The first farmer denied having any knowledge of the killings or the fact that the bodies were on his property. Right. However, the other farmer told the police that he had witnessed Copeland dumping something into the well. He didn't know what it was, but it was enough for him to fire Copeland on the spot. I was about to say, yeah. Like uh, you are, you literally dumped something into our water supply. That's what I was about to say. You're polluting my water supply. And no, you're not working here anymore, buddy. Sorry. Yeah. So like I said, there were discussions from the beginning about how much Faye knew. Um. One of the things they discovered during that week-long search of the fur of their property was a quilt, and that quilt was made out of the clothing of the victims. And they found a handwritten ledger with people's names on it, and twelve of those names had big X's. 
That is why we believe that the Copelands killed 12 people. I see. Prosecutors actually quickly offered Faye a deal. If you reveal to investigators the locations of the other bodies, we will only charge you with conspiracy to commit murder, which is only a couple months in jail for your cooperation. Mm -hmm. And in all of the other stories that we've talked about, like women kind of turn on their partners. Right. Yeah. Carla Homoka turned on her partner. I would say technically last week, no, they were both no, kind of delusional. Yeah, yeah but say, mm, in a lot mm. of the ones I've read, women turn, but oh, not Faye. She does not cooperate, and she covers for her husband, telling the prosecutors that she is was unaware of any killings that her husband might have done. And both the Copelands are arraigned on five counts of first degree murder. Nice, yay. <laughs> November 1st, 1990, uh, then 69-year-old Faye goes on trial and claims Ray committed the murders without her knowledge and and also that she suffered from battered women's syndrome. What the hell? Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> wait a second. So no. she kind of tried to do like Carla Homolka and... Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. You know, uh, what? Look, I'm not going to names. I don't Mar- know. Martha Beck did. So <laughs> she kind of like, I'm not going to name names. Listen, I love my husband, but also he beats me. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Like, mm. So the thing is, her defense detailed the abuse at the hands of a cruel husband. Her children testified that they witnessed their dad beat them and that that she was all like all the dad was also terrible to them. Um, I found an article from the Associated Press, like when this trial was going on, that detailed what the kids said. And that, like they said, dad was a hard man and he, like, it was his way or no way. Like, they definitely tried to, like, push mm. this narrow narrative that Ray uh, Copeland was this monster. You're throwing him underneath the bus and he was doing all that crimes and killing for you guys. Yep. But the court is not swayed by her testimony or any of her experts. And they say that she had to have known something because why were you keeping track? Yeah. Like, that's not his handwriting. It's probably her handwriting. It was her handwriting. Yeah. She was keeping track of who he was killing. Look at this. No, no, no. Anyway. <laughs> and uh, she is found guilty of all five charges against her. Sentenced to death by lethal injection for four of the counts and a life sentence without parole for the fifth. Then several months later, they have the trial for Ray. That's March 7th, 1991. And he is also found guilty of all the charges against him and sentenced to death by lethal injection. Okay. But uh, we don't quite get to... Both of them were not actually executed. Because remember, they go into prison at 69 and 76 years old. Right, right, right. So they died. Two years later, Ray dies while awaiting execution at the Potosi Correctional Facility. From the moment Faye goes into prison... People are trying to get her out. They're trying to overturn the, de- overturn the death sentence, everything. Um, on August 6, 1999, so after eight years, her death sentence is overturned because the evidence of her involvement is deemed not enough to warrant that sentence. However, she is still to remain in prison because it's still a murder conviction. So. This prompts outrage from seven several women's rights activist groups who protest against her still being in prison and say that, like, she's been in jail for almost 10 years now. She's, you know, this is all she did was just know what her husband did. She didn't help him. 
No, but she didn't stop him either. Well, and that's exactly what the court mm-hmm. says. They're like, and eh, no, thank you. Uh, in December of 2000, after an attempt to reinstate phase death sentence a month prior. So the state hears all these protests and goes, you know what? Maybe we should sentence her to death. <laughs> <laughs> and then she dies. Well, so there's this organization called Missourians Against State Killing, MASK, and it's run by Tom and Jeanette Block. And they continued to fight for her release from prison, even in 2000. And they requested that people send in letters of support for Faye with a petition for her release uh, to then Governor uh, Roger Wilson. On August 10th, 2002, Ray suffers a stroke that leaves her partially paralyzed and incapable of speech. As a result, she gets paroled several weeks later to the Morningside Center Nursing Home in her hometown of Harrison, Arkansas. Mm. Essentially a compassionate release at this point. Like, they know she's going to die. Right. Um, December 30th, 2003, she passes away at the age of 82, leaving behind five children and 17 grandchildren. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, uh, interestingly enough, one of the details I found while researching this was that Ray's great-nephew, Sean Granger, wrote a fictionalized graphic novel about the story of his family called family bones so i thought that was really interesting yeah. and i also uh two of my like sources that i use for this were a bunch of news ar- newspaper articles but uh one book is called the copeland killings by tom miller and the other is called the naturals by jennifer lynn barnes mm-hmm. and yeah ray and faye copeland go down in history as being the oldest people to be put on death row in the united states and uh i'll kind of leave you with one thought uh all of those seven other exes in the phase journal we never find out what happened to them oh my god and we don't know where they went or whether they've been buried somewhere in missouri do they know how far away the farms were from his house they knew that those first five were 12 miles away those five that they found okay but we don't know if he got better at hiding them if he he worked out further Mm. i mean at this point i I don't know somewhere they're somewhere another well or something maybe Somebody's bones are in your well. Someone's bones could be under your house Ugh. if you live in Missouri. Because a lot of those those farmlands and things, especially near bigger cities, mm. were chopped up and turned into properties. You, you, you never know. Someone, yeah. I was about to, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You're right. So, yeah. It's a, a, kind of a spooky I thought to bring end on. There. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, that's my story about Ray and Faye Copeland. Yay. A lifetime of crime that. That, just escalated that went crazy oh my god still still the cows so many times so many times why was cows your thing that you stuck to buddy who knows oh my god <sighs> today's episode of when killers get caught is brought to you by the magic class boutique which happens to be a company owned by a very own britney ransom if you've seen Brittany on her live streams, she's always rocking some awesome earrings that she herself makes. From cute ice cream earrings to spooky mermaid earrings. She even makes self-defense keychains so you can look stylish and protect yourself at the same time. The Magic Class Boutique is going to release some special jewelry for the podcast next month, so keep an eye out for that as well. To learn more, go to www.themagicclasp.com. But I am ready 
to know what our spooky topic of the week is. All right. Well, this week, I will be covering something I hate almost as much as I hate sketch artist drawings. Oh, really? Yes. How was research for this for you? You probably had to look at pictures of it. I did look at pictures. Uh, not good? I, uh, oh. Uh. <laughs> You, you know what I'm talking about? I don't know. I don't know what you hate as much as sketch artists. Almost as much as sketch artists drawings. Um, it's dolls. I hate dolls. Almost. Oh, you don't like dolls? Oh, there's so many good doll stories. Yes, I know. The Island of the Dolls. Yeah, we're not talking about uh, that. that no. What's mm, his name? Mm, oh, what's mm. that one? What's his? Oh, he's a Robert. Robert. There's Robert. There's a. Uh... Oh, oh, uh, Annabelle? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's so many haunted... I love haunted doll stories. Mind you, I won't have a doll in my presence, but I love the stories. Yeah, no, I don't like dolls. I think they're... I hate the ones with the glass eyes, really. Um, Here, you know where my detestment of dolls happened from? What's that? It's the 90s. I'm watching an episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, the original one with Melissa Joan Hart, uh-huh. and her toys came to life. And it terrified me. There's a mixture of that and Chucky. Together, those two things mixed in my brain. And whenever I play with my dolls, after I was done with them, I would put them in the toy box and then I would stack up everything I could in my room on top of it so that they couldn't get out when I was asleep. you never seen Toy Story? <laughs> toy Story did not frighten me. Those were good dolls. Those were not murderous dolls. Oh, my God. Also, I'm pretty positive that Toy Story came out after that. I think I was done playing with dolls by the time Toy Story came out. Okay, yeah, you, you were, but still. <laughs> no, it was, it's, listen, Chucky wrecked my life. And I've rewatched it as an adult, and it's still spooky. Really? It's really still a quite frightening movie. It's, I mean, now it's just, no, it's entertaining to me. I was never scared of. No, there's a scene when Chucky is sitting on the floor in the lady's apartment. Yeah. And she, like drops like drops it on the floor and then it crawls under the couch yeah, and he's gone oh i lose my yeah. i lose my mind when that scene happens oh i hate it I, look okay so i'm not afraid of dolls i just don't like dolls i can only imagine if i was in a room or just anywhere and a doll turned its head and looked at me <laughs> how quickly listen i i don't run very often i'm not a running kind of gal but there listen there's only I would run for my life. The only other time I can think of running was when my friend and I were trying to get good seats to the premiere of Black Panther. And I took off running and he took off running and we just went for it. And he was like, I never saw you run so fast. But uh, I probably also if I saw a toy move, like I just sitting here and it turned its head and I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. So I get it. I understand your fear. I'm not afraid of dolls. I you not, said you don't like them. I don't. Okay, fear and not liking two different things. Would I, you be in one of those like haunted uh, museums that has like rooms full of dolls? No, because I don't there. like dolls. Uh huh. It's see, it's it's okay. Phobias are fine. I don't have a phobia of dolls. Is I don't have a phobia of dolls. Dolls <laughs> can just suck it. Okay. Anyway, um. Goodness, here for it. okay okay well the dolls i'll be covering in this series have have some type of souls in them Ooh. um because they're you know freaking haunted nice nice uh haunted dolls oh right that's right i'm gonna be making this like a regular thing 
So, okay, not a regular thing, but it is a series. I'm going to do a series oh. of haunted dolls. Um, not they're not going to be like regular back to back episodes. Oh, so every once in a while, I bring up more haunted dolls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm I'm just because there are so many, you can't just cover just one. Uh, listen, in... I love some of these. So yeah. Um. Anyway. So since this is the first episode of the series, I'm going to be giving you guys like a brief breakdown of the history of haunted dolls and like like a background, and then we'll get to the doll I'll be covering uh, this week. Okay. Okay. So some of the earliest haunted dolls in history were effigy type of dolls, like little wooden uh, puppets or you know mannequins of just wooden people. Mm-hmm. Um. Roman and Greek dolls would be used as uh, a dedication to a specific god or goddess mm-hmm. or used in a magical rit- ritual. Uh, priests in Egypt used poppets. Uh, they're just like little marionette dolls. Um, and magical ceremonies, or actually, no, they're not, they're not marionettes. They're effigies. That's what they call them. Yeah, I've only heard that word used as burn in effigy, so I don't really have necessarily the best opinion of it. I mean, well, I mean, yeah, it's pretty much like that. Like, yeah, it's an effigy. So it's a, okay. It's yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, you're so, good. You're so good. they're using them in a magical ceremonies to ward off evil, or to like place curses on a person. Okay, so that's what I thought. Yeah. So African, indigenous, uh, European cultures, they all use effigies in this type of way um, to either, like, heal or, you know, Harm. protect them or, <laughs> you know, or place a curse on somebody. There you go. Now, when someone talks about an evil doll, some people might think of a voodoo doll. Like the... I never think of a voodoo doll now that I think about it. When you think of an evil doll? No. No. Because I guess I don't necessarily know how true that is. I know that we've gotten like, you know, we talked about this last week with there being kind of a raw deal when it comes to us understanding voodoo in the yes. West. So yes, I don't really look at voodoo dolls as I'm not even sure they're real. Well, or that, that's just something that was made up. Okay, so let's get into that. <laughs> so modern voodoo dolls is a it's a new world creation so it's mixing western africa african um voodoo practices with um you know from the slaves brought over with european traditions interesting so so fun we talked about this two times now i know i know we did talk about this like last this last week yeah last week so yeah um so west african voodoo um, it uses effigies called, oh, I did not, I keep doing this. I keep getting words. I don't look them up. All right. Okay. Let me see <clears throat> if I can help you. I'm going to try it. Uh, Bocio or yeah, I'm going to go B-O-C-I-O. Bocio. Is there a Bocio or a Baccio? Yeah. Baccio sounds Italian, so I don't think that works. Bocio. Probably. Okay. We're doing our best. Yeah, we're trying. I'm trying. I'm sorry. Um, now these were used as mediators to the spirit world. So oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense to me. So they were used these to contact ancestors or deities uh, to get help, protection, and other needs. 
So kind of as a physical representation of the deities that intercede on human behalf. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> well, just I'm just remembering like what I had to look up for understanding our well-meaning weirdo from last week. Right. Yeah. And by well-meaning, I mean not well-meaning at all. <laughs> Who wanted to use voodoo to catch chicks. Yeah. Lovely. Not lovely. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> So you know, like unlike um, tra- like a modern mo- modern uh, mm-hmm. voodoo dolls, um, that are used to, I guess you would say harm or do other curses to people. So, the consensus in the paranormal professional communities is that dolls that seem hexed or cursed are affected by spirit energy. Okay. So this could be residual energy or from a human spirit that has attached itself to the doll, either because they used to own it or the, they were attracted to the doll somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, either they, they liked the way it looked or, you know. They... Okay. Well, since you've done some research, you have to, I, you probably, I mean, you've come across the Robert the doll situation. Of course. I've. Of course. And like they believe that there was something weird with the doll from the beginning, but not that it had a, a spirit in it per se in the beginning. Like the kid treated it like it was real mm-hmm. and then blamed everything on it his whole life. And he had it well into his adolescence, which is also peculiar. Right, right, right. You're right. You know, so what about those situations where it's it's not like traditionally a soul attaching to the doll? Because the doll was weird from the beginning. I haven't. Uh, Do you, you have know, a theory on that? Or? So there's a there's a psychological uh, thing to that as well for oh, haunted okay. dolls. Um, hold on, I got this off the uh, <laughs> Wikipedia. That's okay. So I guess it's just like okay, never mind. It's just talking about how people think dolls are creepy. It doesn't talk about you know how people. Um, I guess they have a delusion of the doll being real mm-hmm. or something like that. Maybe maybe he was lonely and he just wanted a, a sibling. But I guess my question is then why do they, you know, I mean, the reports around that doll are that stuff happens to people. Right. If you, you, know, talk, so if you talk ill about him, so there's of course. something. Okay. So another, <clears throat> excuse me. So another reason that a doll, like there's some type of spirit energy in the doll, mm-hmm. is that there is an inhuman spirit that has entered the doll. Like, I don't know. A, does that a demon. Okay. So, I mean, that's essentially the Annabelle story. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, like a, a demon has entered the doll. And like, it's it like either it was bound to the doll or it just went into it by itself. Like somebody summoned, summoned it and then like they trapped it into the doll. Right. I mean, that is the, essentially the real story behind Annabelle. Yeah. Is that whatever entity is attached to it has been bound to it now. Yeah. And, or they just, you know, they like the doll and they're like, let me get this body. And well, they... it's a useful tool for something that is inhuman to, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of lower your defenses. Right, right, yeah, exactly. Because it's cute and, you know, simple. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. Okay. So, 
that's basically all I have right now for the history of okay. your haunted dolls um, or dolls that have spirits in them. Okay, so spiritual enough about that. Attachment. Spiritual attachment. Enough about that. Let's get to why we're all here. Okay. So the doll I'll be covering today is one that's probably not a lot of people know about. At uh, least I hope not. Exciting. Um, but it, you know it doesn't matter if you guys heard about it. Good. If you haven't, great. Um. <laughs> okay. So this doll's name is Letta. Letta the Gypsy Doll. Oh, I don't think I've heard of this one. Okay. If anybody was paying attention to the beginning of the this episode, I made a pun. No, I, did you? Did you? Nope, did, I didn't pick up on that at all. I said I'm not going to let a, the cat out of the bag. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That was such a. Ugh. This is why I ask you: Do you become a dad? When do you start releasing the dad jokes onto the world? As soon as I want to. As soon as I want to. Alright. As soon as they pop up in my head, that's when I start releasing them. Alright. Okay. <laughs> Let's continue with Letta. Okay. Letta's story takes place in Australia. So Ooh. our Australian listeners probably know a lot about Letta. Or they'll be excited because they've been begging me for content on Australia for weeks now. So there you go. You got an Australian story today. Okay. Now, even though the doll's name is Letta... It's definitely a male doll. Uh, Letta was found by Carrie Walton while he was visiting. Ooh, I did not look things up. Oh, my God. I am sorry, Australia. I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Um, it's spelled Wagga Wagga. Oh. So I'm pretty sure I said that wrong, but I am sorry. <laughs> I, I meant to look this up. I meant to look everything up. But I just like lost track of time, and I was like, uh I'll do it while I'm writing next time. I'm sorry, Australia. Anyway, he was visiting there for his, his grandmother's funeral. Um, when he, then he visits a rundown house, which is also known to be haunted, I guess. It's, I guess it's from his childhood. He's known this house as being like a haunted house. He just visited random haunted places? Ooh. So the reason why he visits there is that Carrie, he sells antiques. Oh, okay. So he was antique hunting. Yes. This right, is exactly this is sensible. Was, right, I get it now. He was looking for treasures. So he began searching um, in the house of the old cellar with the flashlight in his hand. He's searching around, doing like a sweep with his flashlight in the cellar, and it lands on something that startles him. Um, at first, he thinks it's like a, a dead child. Oh, God. That's how big this doll is. That would be um, frightening. But... He, he, oh, so it's one of those big ones, too. I Ugh. know, right? I hate those. <laughs> I so, like my dolls tiny. <laughs> so I can kick them and stuff. <laughs> no, just because... If they start running at me, I can kick them away. No, you can't. Never mind. Remember, uh, have you ever watched um, Tales in the Hood? Yes. Okay, the one, the one story about the dolls hopping out of the painting. I don't remember that. Oh, Maybe no. Maybe that's repressed memory, too. Maybe it is. But there's, yeah, the, the, like, okay. Listen, there's two things that ruined me as a child were definitely Chucky and the Melissa Joan Hart episode. But also, uh, gosh, there's a series of short stories, Creepshow. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the last one in that first Creepshow movie with the roaches coming out of the man's body. Oh, right. And yeah. they, like, drowned him in bugs. 
made me terrified of roaches for the majority of my life. I mean, they're not pretty, so yeah, I understand. <laughs> Just they were coming out; they ripped out of his chest. Uh, so okay, and I love horror. Mm-hmm. We'll watch all of them all the time. We do it all the time. I know. But yeah, so anyway, but yeah, it's like, a huge scary doll. Ready? I'm here for it. Okay, so. Um, I don't want to even look this up. I don't want to see the picture. Okay, I'll describe them to you anyway. Okay. So what he sees is a lovely, creepy looking doll. Um, so it's more like a, a large mar- marionette doll. Hmm. So that's even um, better. Uh, it's male with a large hooked nose. And dark piercing eyes. Okay. Not gonna lie, when I saw the picture, um, I was like, "Oh, this thing is really, really ugly." A lot of older dolls were not very cute. I, we didn't. Re- I feel like we didn't get the handle on making cute dolls <laughs> until like the last fifty. Years. I mean, but who are we to judge what is cute? What's not you know, to somebody? Else? I mean, okay. So, like, I've seen Barbies from the early nineteen hundreds, and they're very nice. So I don't know why big baby dolls didn't get cute. No, this is true. Maybe they had bigger... The feature, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know. But, like, definitely early 1900s, late 1800s, those dolls were something awful. Especially, like, the, the burlap dolls. Mm, okay, I know what you're talking weird, about. That weird, like... Yeah. Like, their bodies. Brown, bo- yeah. like, the bodies, and they're soft, and... Yeah. Also, who in the... Like, what is up with the plastic dolls with the soft bodies, but they have the bobble heads, and you can just hit people <laughs> with them? Obviously, you can tell I work with children. I've been hit by these dolls. Mm-mm-mm. But anyway, so okay. got a weird nose. So, uh, and and he's just got some, like, his eyes are just... Piercing. Yes, piercing. So I'm guessing glass. Yes. Okay. Um, okay, so nonetheless, Carrie scoops up the doll and leaves with it. So his, his intent is to sell it, though. Um, yes he's an and antiquer. No. Yeah. He found something nice, so he probably either he he would sell it or add it to his collection. Mm. So, so the creeps begin almost immediately. That's how it happens. Yep, Carrie, who came along with his brother, were driving home. Were yeah, driving home from the house, and they had the doll in the back seat, and it's covered in a sack. And whenever they they there's a there's a passing uh, car going by on their headlights shining to their car, they can kind of see, like, the sack start to move. Like, they can see the sack is moving. <laughs> I'm face. not okay with this. <laughs> like, the doll's trying to get out. Oh, I hate it. So, like, the two of them are, like, they, they, they're, they like, they, they brush it off for, like, a little bit. But and then, how, though? And they start, like, joking about the, how the doll is trying to, like, trying to say, let a me out. And based on the sounds, like, like they, there are sounds coming from the burlap sack, uh, the sack as well. So, Letta Me Out, that's basically where Letta got his name from. Oh, my God. And after that, they all lived happily ever after. The end. Perfect. Love it. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. What yeah. a great podcast. <laughs> right. So, anyway, <laughs> Carrie gets Letta home. And his dog, who was normally like a mild manner little guy, um, he immediately tried to attack the doll. Mm-hmm. And well, you know, he was barking and snapping at it, like mm-hmm. just trying to destroy it. His family members would say that the doll's eyes would follow them around. Mm-hmm. Um, one night, uh, one day, his his kids would play with the doll, 
until like just one day. The kids were playing with the doll, and they left Letta in their room for the night. Later on, the kids woke up screaming because I'm I'm guessing because of the doll, and this made Carrie put the doll into his basement storage for about five years. It didn't leave the storage. Well, he put it in storage for five years. Interesting. And yeah, no, it did not leave storage after like four or five years. It did not leave storage. Um. So even though the doll was locked away, Carrie was still curious about it. So one day, five years later, um, he takes the doll to the Australian Museum in Sydney. He okay. Was, he was told that the doll was made by an Eastern European gypsy craftsman about 175 to 250 years ago. Okay. And I forget the right word. Oh, right. I'm not sure. Gypsy. What is the term? This is in the book. I'm not even sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me a second because I feel like we have to reference that there is Romani. Romani. That's the right terminology for what we used to refer to as gypsy. But so Romani people created it. I should change the name of the title. <laughs> That's okay. Letter I mean, the it's, Romani it's doll. It's what we used to use uh, probably, you know, 50 years ago to right. describe these people. But it's it's technically considered to be a apparently a bit of a slur. So I mean, I, that, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because the the connotation then are you know that these are the transient people who travel and see and do the, magic on you. It has a negative connotation when they're just you know, another thing folks I trying looked, to live. Another thing I should looked up because when I was writing, I was like, I don't think people use that word anymore. Mm-hmm. So okay, so Romani um, people they believed in spirit transference, so placing a spirit into a vessel after a death. Oh, okay. See, I didn't know about that. So. There are some fascinating things about Letta. So he has human hair. Oh, okay. And his eyes actually have simulated blood veins etched into them. Okay. So they look like real eyeballs. Well, they're supposed to be symbolic of real people, so I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, it also has a brain. What do you mean? It has. He has. He has a brain in in his head. Like made out of what? Um, I'm not sure. It did not Wait, tell me um, in oh, the book I, I read. Have so many. What? It, 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 he has a brain in his head, uh, which can be seen when a doll's head is like lifted up and you can see it. Um, I, have to, I have to, I have to look, let a doll brain. And that's I, all I want to know. Oh my God. And um, I guess Carrie said it looked like it was like balled up, like wet newspaper or something like that. Are you looking? Okay. Okay. The doll's horrible looking, but I care more about the brain. What's the brain? <laughs> Why are people taking pictures with it? Oh. <laughs> I'm just scrolling okay. through photos of people with this doll. Okay. Let me carry on. Yes. You keep going while I look for what the brain's made out of. So since the doll is so old and so unique, Carrie, uh, he decides to sell it, you know? Old mm-hmm. weird things always cost a lot. Right. Show me the lie. Show me the lie. Um, it, of course, didn't take long for a nice offer to come in for the doll. So Carrie heads out 
to the buyer, and when he gets to their place, he tries to get out of the, out of the car, and he realizes that he's, like, glued in his seat. Like, he cannot move. Um, and then he realizes that Letta won't let him get rid of him. How? Because, like, Carrie, he, can't, he cannot get out of the car. He physically cannot move out of the car oh. to try to try to get out of the car to get to the sell the, the buyer's house. So he's like outside the buyer's house no. just stuck or he can't even leave his property. No, he no, so he drives there but he can't get out of his car. Like he's stuck in his car. Like Did the buyer like look for him? I don't think so. I would have been like, "Okay, where's this guy?" and go outside and you see him just there. I mean, I think he could drive away but he couldn't get out of the car. He couldn't. Interesting. Yeah, he could not get out of the car. Did it say anything to him? No, it did not. He just realizes that, like, Letta's not going to let him get rid of him at all. At least not that easily. Not easily at all. Um, but everything wasn't all that bad for Carrie in regards of, like, having Letta in his life. Mm-hmm. The doll seemed like a good luck charm to him. Oh. Like, his co- like, his collectibles business, it wasn't doing well. Um, financially, at first, but after he got Letta, it started popping. It, it went okay. off. It was booming. Um, and he and Letta were constantly asked to appear on TV talk shows, oh, and different exhibitions or fairs. So, this is when a psychic name I'm gonna say your name wrong. I'm gonna uh, Keisha. Okay, uh, contacts him. <laughs> to I, her. I just don't feel really solid about like <sighs> psychics that contact people you know what i mean mm-hmm. not that i don't believe that that's a ability that exists for people i just think the ones that like call folks and say like hey did you know that you're haunted i find i'm very dubious about those okay so like if a random psychic like called me out of nowhere saying hey do you know such and such about your life and blah 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 well, especially after after telling you about a doll that you've been on TV promoting. Now, I'm not sure if he's been on TV yet. I know okay. he's been. They've been asked to. They've gone to different like trade shows and things. With the like, so it's been in the news at least. Yes, people know about it. Yeah. So, see, I would feel very like eh, about the about this per this particular psychic. But I'll let you continue. So she she offers her services to him to hold a seance. Um. So she pronounced, she pronounced that the doll had memories of a tragedy and it felt sadness over a child that had drowned. So, I mean, the doll was created in the likeness of a child. Oh, right. I mean, does that. Was it? Have you seen, you see, you saw the picture of it. It does look kind of like a, I'm B-roll. It looks like a character, caricature of a Jewish man, honestly. <laughs> Like something that you would have seen in like old school World War Two propaganda. Okay, okay. But so maybe you know they just that's just how whoever they made it look like that's what that person looked like. True, true. So whenever Letta was taken outside, like outside of his house, uh, Carrie's house, it would be raining every time. Um, when he was driving to sell Letta to the buyer, it was raining. Um, every time. And the psychic believed that the rain represented the child drowning. Okay. So, you know, it was like, it was just, 
it would rain around Letta all the time because of water and drowning and stuff like that. Okay. So these three start going on. Um, they they go on a show. It's called State Affair. Okay. It's an Australian talk show. I mm-hmm. think that's what I read. Um, okay. So they bring Letta to Keisha's office. So the cameraman, the camera crew could get like a, a few things um, set it out so they can see how they're going to record um, the the psychic coding letter and then how Carrie's going to hold letter. Just, just, just rehearsing. Okay. Uh, basically. And, and a few things happen. Okay, I'm here. I'm ready <laughs> for it. I'm excited, kind of. So when they first arrive into the building, oh, Automatically, a painting falls off the wall. Okay. Um. Then, when Keisha, the psychic, placed the um, letter on her lap, she could feel it wriggling around. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> and next, last thing, when she tried to tell like the camera crew about like this, and they're just like, "Oh no, you're lying! You're, you're cap, 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 cap." Okay. Uh, um. <laughs> And where's that? Oh, so yeah, they're skeptical. So, so to prove himself, Letta slowly turns his head towards the kid. <laughs> I said it. <laughs> I know. That's why I was waiting. <laughs> I know. I was waiting for it. <clears throat> I bet you I could go on YouTube and find this too, couldn't I? I don't know. I'm gonna look it up it. after we're done. I'm gonna look it up just because I'm a glutton so, for punishment. So let us slowly turns his head towards the camera crew, and like, um, the psychic says that you can hear the wood creaking from his neck as he's turning his head towards them. And as soon as he's, as soon as he turns his head, oh, I missed something. Hold on. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> as soon as yeah, as soon as he turns his head. A light blew out, and one of the crew turned, like, sheet white, and he ran off. Um, understandable, buddy. Yeah, understandable. understandable as well. Yeah. Um, so, what the book said is the psychic takes this ch- opportunity, to, like, to, to tune into the doll again, and, to, like, to get a better picture of his memories. Okay. Um, and I have quotes of what she said when she... Looked into the doll. Uh, okay. on, let me find this real quick. Hold on. Load phone. Thank you. Okay. As I tuned into the doll, I discovered the soul of a six-year-old boy trapped within the wooden vessel. The child had drowned during a storm in an isolated area of Rom- uh, Romania. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Different ways of pronouncing things. Romania, um, Romania. I mean, I feel like both of them kind of work. Yeah. But. Um, his father, overcome with grief, fashioned a life-size figure in readiness for the ceremony of, of soul transference. The child has been imprisoned for centuries. He is confused and frightened. So, yeah. Well, that's horrible. Yeah. She also mentioned that the doll was brought to Australia by immigrants and buried in the cellar of the old home. Um so she tells her she tells her whole studio audience this 
And soon enough, word spreads and even made it to the ears of an American paranormal team. Of course it did. <laughs> who was the one? Who were the ones? It doesn't say in the book. Oh, I want to know. That's it's super interesting. So they get contact of Ken, uh, Carrie and they're like, okay, hey, can we hold another seance with the doll? And he's like, yeah, sure. So they hold another seance and they get the same info as, you know, Keisha confirming what she said about, you know, the story that she got from the doll. Um, they did add one more thing, though. They told Carrie that he would never be able to get rid of the doll. Did they say why? No, he did not say why. But um, there, there's one more part at the end of why he should not have gotten rid of, should not get rid of the doll. Um, so, of course, the Americans wanted to take the letter on a talk show circuit in the U.S. Um, and Carrie said no. He said, I'm going to do an Australian tour instead with, you know, local people. Because mm -hmm. this is, you know, my country. Why heck would I go to American, America to do that stuff? I can do that right here. So, um, a couple things happened on this tour as well. So... On one stop of the tour, Leto was put on display in a shopping center. You know, it had curtains around him and stuff like this. Mm -hmm. um, so as soon as they pull the curtains away, a woman starts screaming. Um, someone passes out. And someone else throws up. Hmm. It's all out of fear of the doll. Right, yeah, which is perfectly normal. Like, this isn't... Yeah necessarily paranormal behavior but this is people who uh, yeah all these reactions to were it. already afraid and then they finally saw it like, <laughs> well it's you know like the 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 stress and the the tension leading up to it so yeah but this could have been a paranormal thing so what the psychic keisha um thinks is that this is letta releasing negative energy because he didn't like being uh an attraction. He didn't like being on display like that. So also being away from the person he likes. Well, he, he was there with the child. Him. Oh, what, the child. The child was stuck in him. Child what I'm saying is that, like, I mean, the per if we're believing this is paranormal and that everything here is absolutely true, this child has kind of attached itself to to carry himself to carry. Yeah, but Carrie was and there so, with him. Yeah, but is it is he there the whole time? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Okay. Just to make sure I nothing happens to him. Yeah. Um, where was that? Okay. So, another stop. Um, and another screaming woman, but for a different reason. On stage, Letta was moving his head around. <laughs> I want to see some of these. <laughs> I, I just have to look them up. Like, even if it makes me feel uneasy for the rest of the night, I have to. I have to oh, look my them God. Up. So there, uh, there are other accounts about, you know, on this whole tour, there's, you know, obviously weird things happening with Letta. Um, so there's another account with Carrie's wife. And she claims that Letta could change his facial expressions. Interesting. So you can go from happy at one minute and then it'll be a sad face on him. That another happens. Minute. On a doll? 
I, it's been reported with other dolls before. Really? I've never heard of this. Okay. Like, like when I was reading this the story about this, uh, uh, Letta, I was like, I feel like I'm like reading about like a living person. Mm. Like, like they, they're, they're very, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So even to this day, unusual things happen around Letta, but Carrie and his wife think Letta is a good luck charm. And Letta is not for sale. Anybody trying to sell it, uh, anybody trying to buy it, buy him, God, pronouns. Gotcha. <laughs> um, and they received an offer of ten thousand dollars. That's not enough money. Was it ten thousand dollars? Yeah, I think it was ten thousand. It's not enough money for Letta. Well, it's an old doll. You could probably make more money just doing the exhibitions. That's what I thought too. And like I said, like, you're uh, like offer me like money said, for my haunted toy. It needs to be in the millions. Yeah, it was ten k. I don't think it was ten million. No. Um. So Letta probably brings in like more than that. Easy. Um. But that's not the only reason though. So apparently, Carrie has received warnings from other mediums saying that if he got rid of Letta, that he would have nothing but bad luck. And Letta is still in the possession of Carrie to this day. I'm not sure if Carrie... Well, when I just did a Google search just now, I saw like a YouTube video that said, I got to meet one of the most haunted dolls in the world. And it was from 2019. So there you go. So apparently he's still allowing people to meet the doll. There you go. He still has Letta in his clutches, or Letta has him in his clutches. There you go. <laughs> and that is the story of Letta. The haunted doll. Haunted doll. Tune in, I don't know, some other time, and I want to cover another haunted doll. There you go. Not a lot of people know about, and I, one that I find interesting I'm probably not going to do any Robert or Annabelle stories just yeah, because. Uh, the most, I mean, the Annabelle story is not that complicated. No, exactly. Uh, doll bar at a thrift store turned out to be not at all what anybody thought it was. Bloop, bloop. Um, not to mention the story itself has been severely skewed by the horrible movie. Which, which one? Annabelle? It's not a good movie. <laughs> it doesn't match the real story. It's so upsetting. They even, and the thing that really upset me about it is that in The Conjuring, they reference the real story of Annabelle. And then in the follow-up like movie, they, they ignore it completely. Yep. They're like, no, we're not going to do that. This was given to a pregnant woman. Was it? Oh, goodness. But, yeah, I'll, I'll find – there are many other dolls, and I might just do the Island of the Dolls for, like, the next doll Aww. episode. That's a really sad story. Yeah, I know. I've heard of it, and I don't – anyway, um, but, yeah. So, that's all I have. I hope you guys liked it. <laughs> I think we had a good time tonight. It wasn't too spooky. Um... Look, if you're afraid of dolls, it's spooky. Listen, I'm just saying from my own personal opinion and, here. And I'm pretty sure if anybody was listening to this and they had their phone in their hand, they were looking up Letta. Oh, and, I'm sure. And they saw the pictures it's, of him. It's not the cutest of dolls, but we did talk about how older dolls are not very cute. Though I am very interested in how it was made because to say that it's over 200 years old and it's it's kind of made in a, it seems like a more modern style. I right? mean, that's sculpted. Yeah. 
So like the the it's a sculpted face. The the reason why they think it's uh that old is because there were nails at the bottom of his shoes, mm-hmm. and I guess those type of nails were used. You know how they, I'm I'm not sure if you know a lot about like carpentry and building stuff. Not a and, lot, but I'm open to listening. Um, so <laughs> they can date like nails back that far. Oh, that's cool. That like different like specific uh, specific type of nails that were used in carpentry yeah. 100 200 years ago there you go yes hmm. yeah. no that does kind of lend itself to it doesn't fit the stereotype of the romani people because they're deemed to be like people of the wilderness but of course i'm sure there were regular people you know what i mean yeah they said it was a, interesting a, it was an eastern european craftsman mm-hmm. so yeah so yeah i mean that's interesting yeah 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 so there you go Anything else you want to add? I don't think so. I would say we had a lovely time this evening. And thank thankful to all of our sponsors. You can always leave us a message on When Killers Got Caught through Anchor.fm. And thankful to everyone who's purchased a set of earrings. We've been very excited about that. Would love for you to continue uh, looking at things. All purchases do go to help the podcast. Right, right. Um, also, if you guys could do us a favor, I know I don't like at this is I sound like a YouTuber right now. If you could on Apple Podcasts um, rate and review us, that would if, be great. If you really like, if you like the show, rate and review us. If you don't like it, then just don't 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 say nothing. <laughs> you, don't have to, you don't have to say anything at all. Okay. Just don't rate and review us, okay? But if you like the podcast, rate and review us. Go right ahead. Um. Yeah, it's very exciting just to see what everyone's thinking about. And as usual, I'm still working my way through. By the time you hear this, I will be almost done with the uh, 50 States of Serial Killers series. Ugh, It's been a several week process. Right, right, right. And... I meant to go on Twitch this weekend, but I, you know, we, we, we have stuff to do this weekend. I'm sorry. So next, this, I guess this weekend, when you're hearing this, I'm talking about this weekend. This. What's your Twitch? What's it called? It's, uh, I think it's still Foxy Trainer. There you go. Yeah. Go, yeah. yes. Twitch.tv slash Foxy Trainer. And I'll really? be at us. You can talk to us about anything. I'm sure Brian would love to talk about spooky things while playing a game that's not at all spooky. I mean, it is kind of creepy. Which was that one, the one where you were like the office guy yeah. walking around? Okay, look. Did you see some of the scenes of the freaking they spider were a monsters? Weird. Weird and creepy sometimes, okay? But regardless, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye bye.